The life that God has called you to should look radically different than most. It's a very good thing to stand out and be different when what's setting you apart from the world is your love for the Lord. Don't be afraid to live a life in worship of Him. Don't be afraid to be holy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Inadequate Catholic Podcast. My name is Olivia, and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for hanging out with me. So music's always been a really pivotal part of my life, and I don't actually even remember a time where music wasn't filling the walls of our house. And in the episode with my sister, we briefly talked about how my mom was our church's music director, but it goes a little further back than that because she had actually gone to musical theater school and then she married my dad. And I found out in my teenage years that my dad was actually part of a barbershop quartet for some time, which was very interesting to discover. But as you can imagine, our house was very musical. And on a side note, we're totally that family that if you say something even remotely connected to a song, someone is going to pick up on it and sing you a song that is in direct correlation to whatever it is that you just said. But they instilled in us the importance of music. And one of the things my mom spent a really long time on was teaching us how to hear and sing harmony. So she would play the same song over and over and she would sing a harmony to us and then with us. And then when we were confident in our part, she would then play the song again and sing a different harmony. And she would do that over and over until we got to the point where we could hear harmony in just about anything. In the liturgical calendar, we are currently in the season of Lent. And Lent, in the Christian church, is a period of penitential preparation for Easter. And in the Western churches, it begins on Ash Wednesday, which is about six and a half weeks or so before Easter. And it basically provides a 40-day fast, which is a direct imitation of Christ's fasting in the wilderness before he began his public ministry. And it is our time to prepare our hearts for Holy Week, where we celebrate his passion, death, and resurrection, which are, of course, the most pivotal moments in church history. And essentially, in the season of Lent, we do a little self-reflection and we choose things to give up or remove from our daily life that hinder our ability to grow in our relationship with God. And for all intents and purposes, we essentially choose the things that will make life a little more inconvenient for us and cause us to suffer a little bit. So we actively are working to strip away the earthly attachments that we have as to prepare to enter into the suffering of our Lord with him. But while we see this as a season of suffering, I find that suffering isn't often tied to the bounds of a liturgical season because for many of us, suffering comes often and tends to stay for a while. Have you ever had one of those weeks or months where everything has gone wrong? Like things go so badly for so many consecutive days that at a certain point, you kind of have nothing left to do but cry, maybe laugh. But at the end of the day, you feel so defeated that it feels almost impossible to get back up and keep moving forward. Well, in the last couple of weeks, that couldn't have been truer for me. It was as if every single week brought a new opportunity to suffer, and every week just leveled up. So just to help paint this picture very clearly, I'm going to share just a few of the things that unfolded in the last few weeks. So it started out when I was babysitting for some family friends, and the day they left, their baby got the flu. Like, from both ends, this kid had the flu. And then his brother got the flu, And when they finally came home to take over, I got the flu. And during that same week, we had a work trip planned to Texas. So all that week, all of my work took a backseat while I was trying to rest and get healthy. And I succeeded, but I was about three days behind on work. So I worked to make up all that I had missed, only to come down with a cold from traveling and exhaustion when I came home. 
And then the following week, I had to leave again for North Carolina for a shoot that I was producing. And my plan was to head to my parents' house on Sunday morning and then take a few extra days, kind of get organized, clean my house, get the laundry done and packed. Except the morning that I had planned to begin my pre-trip prep, I woke up to three inches of rainwater standing in my basement, which housed my washer, dryer, and all of my cleaning supplies. So I made the split-second decision, threw all of my clothes into my car, clean and dirty together, drove six hours to my parents' house during heavy rain and flash flood warnings. So fast forward to shooting day when we finally got to set and things fell apart again. Now, I had already been successful in planning a very tight schedule around potentially uncooperative weather, and I even kept us ahead of schedule until day two, where we went to film outside, and just in time for us to roll, the Charlotte airport decided to release all of their afternoon flights to fly the path that ran right over our shooting location, which consequently messed with our sound capture and set us about 30 minutes behind schedule. On top of that, I missed my window to record two podcast episodes, which if you're a regular listener, I haven't posted in a month. So that obviously set me weeks behind. And people have been asking me, where's the episode? You're behind schedule. Why didn't you record while you were home? Didn't you have this weekend to record? And then the cherry on top moment was when I got back some test results that showed that my body was under such an immense amount of stress that I needed to make some lifestyle changes or I was headed for some not so great outcomes. So needless to say, I endured a lot in those last few weeks. And in hindsight, I can now laugh at everything that happened, but at the time, I didn't manage any of it well. In fact, I stewed in my suffering, and I sat in anger, and I stomped around for days, and I lashed out at the people that I love most in the world because I was hurting, and it felt like no matter how loud I screamed, no one could hear me. In our home parish, we have this Lenten tradition where at Mass, Father gives us these little purple papers and we're supposed to take them home and fill them out. And these help us kind of solidify our Lenten sacrifices. And that weekend in North Carolina, one was handed to me and I looked at my mom. I shook my head and I said, do I really need to fill this out? Because I feel like I've been stuck in perpetual Lent for weeks. And she made light of the moment, which I'm really grateful for. But I was still quietly wallowing in self-pity. And a few days after I'd gotten back to Nashville, my beautiful, wise mother called again to check in, as she does, and we talked a little bit about what had transpired, and I shared my thoughts and views and opinions on that, and I kept asking, why does this keep happening to me? Why is he allowing so much to happen to me so consistently? And after a few moments, she said, can I gently offer you a little perspective? So of course I said yes, and she said, do you remember that litany of humility we used to say? And at that moment, I knew exactly where she was going with this because I was so stuck on asking why he was allowing these things to come to me that I failed to realize that he was actually answering this prayer that I had prayed so often, so long ago, and the time was now that it was coming to fruition. And she said, he has so graciously attached a multitude of opportunities for you to suffer while giving you ample opportunities to grow in humility. So there I was singing my song of despair, sorrow, abandonment, and brokenheartedness to my mom. And there she was, the beautiful woman who sang harmonies to me in my childhood, was still singing them to me now, but in a different way, ones of joy and perspective. She was making my symphony of sadness into something beautiful, showing me that my suffering was redemptive, and in this particular case, for my own sake. We have this habit of shouting our suffering to the world and expecting everyone to enter into it with us. If I'm mad at this person, you should be too. If I'm sad, don't bring your joy around me. And we almost begin to foster this sense of self-importance and we think, why me? I'm a good person. Why does God let this happen to me? And we forget that God didn't even save his own son from suffering. 
And are we more important than God himself? If our goal is truly to attain virtue and ultimately heaven, then we should be asking ourselves, why not me? I am imperfect, messy, and inadequate. And I'm in need of a lot of grace. So why shouldn't he allow suffering to come to me? This is something that I admire so much about the saints because they endured suffering so beautifully well. And they found such joy in their sufferings that sometimes they sought it out, which I honestly cannot relate with. But they had built such strong foundations on their faith that when everything around them crumbled, they did not. Rather, they chose to see their suffering as an opportunity to grow closer to God. Mother Teresa once said, Pain and suffering have come into your life, but remember pain, sorrow, and suffering are but the kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have come so close to him that he can kiss you. St. John Vianney said, We complain of suffering. We have much more reason to complain of not suffering, since nothing makes us more like our Lord than carrying his cross. St. Pio of Pietrelcina, through private revelation, heard God say to him, Do not fear, I will make you suffer, but I will also give you the strength to suffer. I want your soul to be purified and tried by a daily hidden martyrdom. How many times would you have abandoned me, my son, had I not crucified you? And perhaps a favorite of mine was the story of St. Lawrence from the 3rd century who was martyred. And while his persecutors were literally grilling him alive, he looked at them and said, I'm well done on this side, turn me over. I think St. Ignatius of Loyola put it perfectly when he said, If God gives you an abundant harvest of trials, it is a sign of great holiness which he desires you to attain. Because the reality is God is not committed to our happiness. He's committed to our holiness. He wants to make us saints. And oftentimes we're tempted to think that when our lives are hard, it's because God loves us less. But on the contrary, it's because he loves us more. Suffering is a gift and simply put, it purifies us, strengthens us, and makes us holy. It is the ultimate offering of ourselves to God to help us attain salvation and to help others attain salvation through our sacrifices too. And sometimes we don't understand why suffering comes to us or why God would allow such despair to enter into our lives. But someone has to endure the suffering for the sake of others. So we should be asking ourselves, why not me? And looking to him and recognizing the magnitude of this gift of our sanctification. So in times of trials and tribulations, I encourage you, ask him what he wants of you and be brave, even when it hurts. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Supra regnorum fines, nec animas, salus perpetua. I'm Olivia Palmer, and you've been listening to the Inadequate Catholic Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another Inadequate Conversation, and thanks for listening. Deo gratia.